Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today you're in for a treat. Today we are starting with part one of a two-part series with Philip Toit of Business Buying Services, who talks all about what he does as a buyer's agent, who his clients are, why they come to him, what they're looking for in a business when they buy it, and all of those sorts of questions. So here in part one, we're drilling into to the initial discovery of where a buyer's agent fits in and what they're looking for in a business. And in particular, we are looking specifically at high net worth individuals who are buying a business, sometimes coming from corporate, and we're looking at what they are looking for in a business and how we get them to success out of the transaction. In part two, we'll be focusing on SMEs and mid-market businesses, as well as corporates, and looking at what the buy signals are for them, what they're looking for in a business. And from the corporate perspective, we also discuss a bit about the aggregation model and what's hot right at the moment. So buckle in, we're going to get started on part one with Philip Toit. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area. And hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. So, Philip, thank you so much for coming on to the show Thanks today. for having me, Joanna. Great. Okay. All right. Look, let's get stuck into it. First things first, why don't you give us a really short snapshot of your background, a bit of insight into how it, it is that you ended up as a buyer's agent for business? Yeah, I guess it goes back now about 20 years ago. My Melbourne-based partner came up with the idea after a trip to the state that, that indicated that everyone on the field in buying and selling business in America were well represented. And in Australia, it was only the sellers that were represented. So we decided we should test the model to see whether we could add some value to buyers and perhaps level the playing field a little bit for them. And within the first year, we had 25 clients. And so we thought maybe we're onto something here and, and the rest is history. It's really fascinating, isn't it, I guess, watching trends overseas and seeing how they evolve here in Australia. Because I think it's fair to say that today in Australia, it's still not a strong trend to use a buyer's agent. I mean, certainly there's a lot of brokers around it and agents acting on the side of the seller to go and find the buyers. But there's certainly far less that are sitting on the side of the fence of services yeah, as you I are. Yeah, I think that's right. It's a quite a specific skill and which we've developed over time time and I guess that's our core offering. That's the difference between I guess what we do and what other brokers do. So we only work ever by side, um, never both sides of the fence. That I guess that's the main difference for us. And so what's the real issue that you see in the market? Why is using a buyer's agent that's so much more beneficial than people going it alone, which I guess quite often the course yeah, is taken? Yeah, I guess you know, we take the view that buying a business may well be one of the most risky things you'll ever do in your commercial life. And so we believe that a team approach to buying a business will help smooth out some of those risks. You know, I think we're front runners in the team for to buy the vendor's uh, the purchase accountant and solicitor. And so it's about mitigating some of the risk. Micro businesses, by their very nature, you know, are risky. And so we think as a team, we will help mitigate some of that risk. 
Okay, great. So who are your main clients? So who are the people that come to you wanting to use an agent to so buy So for us, we have a mix of clients, no science in this, but about 50% of our clients, what we would consider to be high net worth individuals, and about 50% would be small to medium-sized companies looking to grow through acquisition. The high net worth tends to come from a corporate background. Now, they may be leaving um, a position to pursue a lifestyle opportunity or through change employment circumstances. And the corporates, of course, just looking to grow through acquisition. Okay, so there's the high net worth, the SMEs looking to grow through acquisition and the corporates looking to grow through acquisition as well. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Then let's step through these one by one because I guess they're probably different markets in terms of what you're actually looking for when you're out searching for the right target for each of these different, I guess, groups. So starting with the high net worth, and it's interesting because I see quite a few transactions that we have here in Aspect Legal in this sort of mould that you're talking about. So high net worth coming in and looking for a business to buy. I think one of the real problems that I've seen post-sale, I mean, coming into the sale, there's an education piece. I think that's, from my viewpoint, one of the difficulties for the high net worth individuals looking to buy a business because there's a whole education process that needs to go with it. But Secondly, after integration, I have seen a number of instances, which is really sad, where they have become aware that the dream that they had of what this business might be that they're buying into is completely different to the reality of running this business. And, you know, within one or two years, sometimes three years, it turns around and they're selling it again and going off to the next idea on their list for how their, their life might evolve post-corporate. Do you see that as an issue? And, and how do you know Yeah, no, definitely. That? It's a big issue. There's no doubt being in a, an SME is not corporate. Um, you, you're at the coalface. It's all about you. We spend a lot of time with our clients up front in the initial stages, just yes, trying to enlighten them to what the potential pitfalls are, the lifestyle changes, the impact it can have on family time. So we like to spend a lot of time there because not everybody, um, whilst everybody might like to buy a business, not everyone is suited to it. And we found that if we spend more time, I guess, at the mandate stage, that'll help just in terms of those things you've just spoken about. And so, yeah, it's challenging. It, you know, certainly, you don't want to be looking at a business just for emotional reasons. You know, you've really got to take a pretty hard line approach to what you're looking at. What sort of businesses are you looking at to put these people into then? Or, or how do you work out the type of business? Do they usually come with this already clear in mind or do you have to help them navigate that process yeah, it's, as well? it's a mixture of the two. Some clients come with a pretty clear idea of what they're after. They've been in the market for a little while and uh, they've been able to look at all different sectors and decide the, the things that they might like. One of the issues high net worth buyers is typically coming out of corporate and is that they don't have a specific skill. For instance, you know, you couldn't have a finance person buying an electrical engineering business. They don't have the skills for it. So often high net worth buyers are buying an EBIT or a profit and so just to meet the you know the family needs going forward. And so it's about trying to build a mandate around their skill set, their requirement for a certain amount of profit and also to encompass their lifestyle requirement. It's yeah, it's not without its challenges, but time spent there is time well spent. And so is this a process that you've developed over time trying to work out, you know, take someone through this idea, I want to buy a business and then help them navigate what kind and then go yeah, out and exactly. find it? Yeah, exactly. We've developed that as you've 
quite rightly say, over over a lot of years now. And so we've actually had situations where we've had potential clients where we've suggested we're probably not the right advocate for them because I think in our mind they're probably not going to be suitable for purchase of a micro business, you know, without being too dictatorial. But that's just from experience of having done this now for 20 years. So, it, yeah. And so I then I guess moving on then you're at the stage now where you're actually looking for targets for for these high net worth individuals. What are you looking for in the business for them? So we talked about the profit being there already and I guess presumably also some sort of proof that that revenue and profit will continue and it's a stable business and all of that sort of thing. But are there other elements that you're looking for in a business that stand out to you for in particular in relation to this high net worth individual buying them that makes for a more likely successful transition for the business Absolutely. I mean, fundamentally important is the likelihood of the future maintainable earnings of a business. I mean, you, you can look at businesses that have been operating for many years and the trading history is important, but it's no guarantee the future success. So future maintainable earnings is fundamentally important. But in addition to that, it's the maintainable earnings with the change of ownership. And I think this is where a lot of buyers fall into the hole is that they're not the old owner. They don't have those same skills. They might have different skills where they can add value to the business. But what are the likelihood of those maintainable earnings being there with a change of ownership? And that's really where we start with these businesses. And it's about that client that's looking at that business. So you know, you've got to make sure. So how do you assess that then? What are the lenses that you use? Because, of course, none of us have fortune tellers. <laughs> so, But I presume there's a methodology that you're using in terms of assessing and probably based on what you've seen work and not work over time, assessing the future maintainable earnings in the hands of the new owner after yeah, transition. Yeah, well, I think if your client or our client has a financial services background, there is absolutely no point in him looking at an electrical engineering business or a plumbing business or something that really has specific skills. So it's matching up the skill set as the first thing yeah, to connect. Yeah, I think if you look at the key drivers for most small business, it, you know, it tends to be sales and marketing. We take the view that you should always fall in love with the profit potential of a business, not the product. So I think it's about determining whether the client has the skill set to run that business. We always say to a client, we must assume we'll never run the business as well as previous owner who's had the business for 30 years, at least within the first 12 months. And so it's really just a, a reality approach to it. And what sort of size or price? Is there a standard sort of price that your clients are coming in willing to pay? So our high net worth client, probably in the enterprise value of that one to two million dollars, that could be made up of you know, cash, debt, and equity, and also vendor term. I mean, the, the market certainly changed in the last uh, seven or eight years, and it's more sophisticated. And so vendors are realising now that if they if they're prepared to leave capital in for the buyer they're more likely to get a higher enterprise value because they've, they've helped mitigate some of the risk or the sharing risk with the buyer. Mm, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And of course, there's, uh, I guess, lots of discussion always in a deal, you know, where we have any component of whether a deferred payment or an earnout, perhaps, or just straight vendor finance. Do you have a particular approach that you most often use? Do you generally push for some sort of earnout component or a certain amount for a yeah, deferred payment? Yeah, I think payment? our views earnout are more equitable to the, for the buyer, particularly. As I said earlier, this is not for the faint harder SMEs can be risky. And in order for, you know, we, we actually we understand that the seller 
is probably retiring. And so, you know, we want to make sure that they're getting the right amount of money for their 20 or 30 years of hard labour and growing the business. But in order to do that, sometimes they need to, um, say, share some of the risk and an earn out will do that. For us, if a seller's going to put their hand on the heart and say the business will still be here in three years, it'd be great if they could help help the buyer and share the risk. It's interesting, though, because earlier you did make the comment, which I think is absolutely correct, that there is a teething period, particularly when we're talking about high net worth coming in and without the experience of the type of business that they're buying or as a business owner, there's a teething period, you know, whether that's one year, two years, sometimes even longer than that, where they will not have the skill set to run the business in the same way that the seller ran the business. So we have a tension there, don't we? If, if we're looking to use earnings, announce as part of the purchase price, there is this risk element for the seller in terms of the skill set of the buyer in running the business the way they did for the period Absolutely. of the earnout. And again, we're all making, I guess, judgment about each other. You know, the buyer's making a judgment about the seller and vice versa. And so if there's a disconnect around that, of course, they're probably looking at the wrong buyer and they're probably with the wrong seller. So, you know, I think it's a value judgment in the end. But, you know, if, if we're paying a multiple of earnings, it's not unreasonable for a buyer to then think that those earnings are going to be there in two or three years' time. Yeah, and I guess this is the tension. Earnouts are a very interesting topic. We cover them a bit on this uh, podcast because they certainly are element of the transaction that come up quite regularly and parties just have to navigate their way around how this may work for, for as a win-win. Yes, process. exactly. I mean, I'm in the middle of a transaction now where it's a mixture. You know, the, the first tranche of payments are an earnout and the balance are just vendor terms. So, you know, I think there's lots of variables and variances within the structure and I guess tailoring it to meet the needs of both parties. Are you ever in there buying distress businesses or are they generally all stable and um, profitable? majority would be the stable and profitable. We do have some clients who have an appetite for that kind of risk and they're usually mid-sized companies who are looking a bit opportunistic, I guess, and looking for places where they can buy well-priced assets and then through synergistic savings and market scale can add some value and turn it around. Well, that's it for part one of our two-part series with Philip Toit from Business Buying Services. In this episode, you may recall, we talked about what it means to be a buyer's agent, why people might use a buyer's agent here in Australia, some of the benefits. We talk about the type of individuals and businesses that might use a buyer's agent, where they come from and what they're looking for in a business. We also focus particularly on high net worth individuals as buyers. Now, hopefully you will come back and join us again next week when we speak to Philip about part two in the series, where we look at SMEs and mid-market businesses and acquisition for growth. So we really dig into some of these concepts of using acquisition as a growth strategy for businesses. And then we also spend a little bit of time looking at the corporate buy-up space and looking at what's hot at the moment for aggregation. But look, if you'd like more information about this topic in relation to what you heard today, why don't you pop over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com. There you'll find details of how to contact Philip and you'll also find ways of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you 
or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses prepare for sale or acquisition and also to help guide them through the sale and acquisition process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book an appointment if you'd like to find out how we can assist. Well, that's it. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I'd love it if you could possibly pop over to your podcast player and leave us a review and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already subscribed. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 